Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, it's Doc Huffpower coming to you again from my studio here in Alvin, Texas. Uh, today, I get to interview a friend of mine. Um, he has made an appearance on the podcast before. He's done some lives with us in TBOD. Um, but this guy is a genuine friend, uh, someone I've known for years. We've used their service in our practice, and I'm not making a dime to talk to you about them. So I want to get that disclosure out of the way first. Corey freaking Pentagar of Call Force. It has been a minute, my friend. How are you doing today, man? Doing good. We are we are midsummer in Utah right now, so we are in the middle. We had our first rain in three and a half months. <laughs> I'm not sure what having your first rain means. I live in Texas, and I grew up in Louisiana, and so it was like our first rain today, right? <laughs> I mean, it is. We are dry and ready for some serious forest fires this summer. So, <laughs> oh well, that that's fantastic. Uh, you know, I I don't know if I'll be visiting this year then. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, just bring a shovel, bring a couple gallons of water, and we'll be good. Put bit, you on the maybe, maybe a fire truck, or, you know, whatever, you know, a helicopter, or some big you know, water. If there's any on Craigslist, just buy them and send them our way. Okay, I, I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take a good close look at that. All right, my friend, I have not talked to you in quite some time. You guys have gone through quite a few changes um, in, in the recent uh, history of your company. Um, oh, yeah. Before we get to any of that, I want you to give an overview of um, who Corey Pentagor is uh, and what Call Force is, what you guys do. Where did you start? Now, I want like the five-minute story. I want your elevator pitch for your company. So yeah. go to my friend. So from Utah, grew up in Utah, um, went to Brigham Young University. And when I was at BYU, I started working for Weave, which a lot of dentists know. They're a patient relationship software that started in the dental field. Um, I was the project manager for the CEO at the time back then. He was one of the founders and the COO. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to call you on something because I know you personally. And I know your history. You were the chief closet cleaner. Let's be honest. Hey, hey, that's where we start. Hey, that's very <laughs> true. And it's, it's not even but, the chief. But that's awesome, though. That's awesome. It was the closet cleaner. It was the, it was the office dog. Well, you know, okay, so here's the deal, though. That... I think gives you more street cred than anything else. You really did come up from the bottom, my friend. I mean, you were the guy cleaning up the closets of all the crap people were returning. Um, you grew into this position. So, all right. So tell, talk to us about the chief. Um, well, now that we've got the truth out of the way, we can get a little <laughs> So I was going to BYU. My aunt, uh, Nancy Haight at the time was the executive assistant to Brandon. She called me one day and she's like, hey, you want to make 500 extra bucks? Okay, now who's Brandon? Who's Brandon? Brandon was the CEO and is the founder of Weave. Okay. And she's like, hey, you want to make 500 extra bucks? Of course. She said, hey, we have this closet. If you want to come clean it out, we'll give you 500 bucks cash or you can get paid hourly. And, of and course, you were like, thank God, I've already given all the plasma I can give this month. 
if that wasn't true, it, it, yeah, it's fully true. Yeah. And I would, I would roll up at 10 o'clock at night. I mean, they were extremely flexible. I was so returning to an earlier thing. I actually worked at a catering company at the time where we fed the forest firefighters in Utah. So at midnight, so that's, that's, that's kind of come full circle. We were talking about forest fires right before we got on the air right here, guys. So, um, <laughs> I did not know that about your past. So one of these days uh, yeah, I'm going to have to pick your brain about that over a beer or two. First job, golf course, second job, catering company, third job, closet cleaner. We slowly worked our way up. I'm not sure a closet, I think closet cleaner was a lateral transfer. Hey, we're, we're trying to look at it as a promotion, but <laughs> it was a demotion. So, so as, as much as I enjoy making fun of you and, and picking on you, my friend, tell me, tell me after we've, what happened? What, what happened that you transitioned into call force? So if we're going to get really into it, Weave is the transition. So in December of 2016, the venture companies that backed Weave basically said, we are losing way too much money and we're burning way too much cash and the customers are not really happy with the service. At the current time, we've had a really hard time keeping their phone system active. They would have outages that would go two hours. And the bummer about that is when the Weave phones went down. The Weave support phones also went down. So it was a theory of anger. I mean, there was days we would get sent home from the office because no one could reach us. You know, I, I know David McBride very well from, um, from Mango, and they have the same exact issues. It's one of the things that I've talked to him about and said, look, why don't you get a freaking cell phone for the people who provide support or something, you know? But they, they just... They believe in their SIP phones, and I, I do too. I use them in my practice, so I guess I can't really criticize too much. But it's definitely something. If I was in a you know, a, you know, a phone industry, I would maybe think about putting my support lines on some different protocol or something. So in December, the venture company basically said you need to lay off forty percent of the company, or we will fire you as founders. That for them is a really easy choice, and I, I don't discredit that at all. So they went in to lay off 40% of the company, and there was a division called Recall Solutions at the time, which was four or five people, I think. And instead of laying that division off, they came to Casey Henson and I, my business partner, and basically said, hey, do you want to buy this? Like, now, and instead this, of was he actually oh, invested in the closet cleaning solution company or <laughs> it was booming no he actually managed the recall team at that time okay and he and they said hey you know we could go out and sell this but we really just need to get it off they also really cared for the recall solutions department and so they sold it to us for a dollar i remember that story it's actually one of my favorites so you took this $1 company. I mean, what, were, were you 50 cent owner? 50, 50, 50 cents. Okay, it was so really expensive. I had to borrow from my parents. Right, right. So, you know, you, you, you went and you dug in your couch. You got a couple of quarters. You bought this company. And talk to us a little about what, what you did with that. I mean, the, the first year was a beast. We didn't know what we were doing. You know, we were... I mean, so I was on a podcast the other day and they asked, what is the most embarrassing business marketing tactic that you thought would have worked? When we started, 
we would go to dental website and there's like a, hey, you're a new patient, submit a form here. We would fill that out with our, hey, we're Corey from Call Force and we'd love to help you on your recall. I mean, people must have hated how, us. I was going to say, how much hate did you get? Oh my God. Oh, I, we would do that for hours because we didn't know like, oh, digital. I mean, we were 22 years old at the time. So, okay. Now I have to say, I want people to remember that because we're going to come full circle to that in a couple of minutes. Okay. So you were filling out new patient forms. Did you get any business from that, Corey? Like it, took us, any? it took us six months to sell our first customer. Oh, my God. What was your burn rate? Uh, we didn't pay ourselves. Okay, well, that's fair. That's fair. And to keep in mind, we bought that portion of the business from them. So we were doing, I think, like ten to $15,000 a month, which allowed us to pay our employees, spend a few dollars here and there. But I don't think I ever took a cent home in terms of salary until nine months to a year in. And we did not have other jobs. We no, were grinding. I was going to say, were you still cleaning closets so that you could pay for your rent? You know, Hey, we were just digging into the piggy bank. Oh man. You know, this is, this is bootstrap, dude. This is bootstrap. So, all right, you guys <laughs> do some stupid shit for a while. You hang around on street corners and say, I will answer your phones with this little sign. Right. And, uh, and that didn't work. So what, what was the big thing that kicked off you actually starting to really roll as a company? We realized that we needed to meet people in the industry. So, of course, we went to our handy, Debbie, handy dandy website surfing and we typed in dental consultants. Okay. And the first consultant who responded to one of our inquiries, which was an email, and I still have this email to today, was Elijah Desmond. No kidding, Elijah. So did you uh, did you frame that email like a first dollar kind of thing or what? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and Elijah emailed back, so typical Elijah now of, hey, I'm on a cruise, but I would love to touch base. I would love to touch base as soon as I'm off. I'm on a Disney cruise with my family. He gives everyone his attention. It, it's so amazing. The guy has got untapped depths of... I don't know, time. I don't know where he invents all this time from, but he does so much. He really does. It's amazing. So we, probably a week later, we had a call and we basically said, hey, we're a recall company. We export your list of overdue patients. We call them from 5 to 7.30 at night and you only pay us if we schedule. And he's like, yeah, this sounds great. But for me to being, you know, to give you a voice, I need to make sure that this works. So... Here, here's an office in Indiana. I want you to service them for a couple months and let's review the data. So we service that, that office. That sounds a lot like the way we met. Mm -hmm. So you service them for a couple months. We serviced the office and I mean, it was, it was amazing. I think they spent 2000 or they would have spent $2,225 and no, sorry. Let me get this back. We scheduled about 220 appointments. They they spent about five to six thousand dollars, and in total production, they brought in was a hundred and ninety-two thousand dollars. Yeah. And, and after got, that, you got Elijah's attention with that. And, and after that, he started putting us in contact with the likes of yourself, Glenn Vaux. And, and it's just it's the slow snowball that builds over time, and. Now we're at the point where we can send someone an email and get a response, but you have to put in relentless years of 
more thought out and spell checked emails where you get nothing back. And then finally you crest that corner and the ball starts going down the hill. Absolutely. So you've kind of entered into a new realm recently, and this is something that I really respect about you. Um, you know, you and I have known each other for now, what, four years, five years, something like that. It's, it's kind of crazy. And um, I mean, for God's sake, you, <laughs> you, You've been in my house on my couch, you know. Um, he, he, he wasn't passed out drunk, I swear, guys. He really wasn't. He's a good Mormon. He really is. He, he really <laughs> is. I like I'm putting all those seeds out there, man. So the thing is, is that we actually are friends outside of this stuff. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on for an interview today because you're doing something that's, you know, in, in my mind, entirely fucking insane. You know, and by the way, entirely and fucking insane is the reason we have the adult label on this podcast. So, uh, Corey, you actually were talking to me and you said, I really feel like I don't always get what owners are telling me. I feel like I should I should go ahead and buy a practice. <laughs> I should I should run the practice and and then I'll understand all their pain points. And did I tell you that was insane? And you did it anyway. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you're, you're, you're buying a second practice now. So talk to me about your experience, man. Talk to these dentists out here about your experience in, in, in becoming an actual dental owner. Because you, out in Utah, you don't have to be a dentist to own a practice. So, man, it's a good thing that no, no, no state actually says you have to be a businessman to own a practice. We'd all be fucked. <laughs> so... So tell me, man, what do you, what was it like owning a practice? I mean, you just when, when did you buy I, it first I, of all? What, and tell us a little bit of background. Tell tell us, you know, yeah. dentists like stats. So, so first of all, I bought it to understand what's happening, and also I'm an entrepreneur. Like yeah. I, I, and the best way to describe an entrepreneur is a squirrel that will chase a nut. <laughs> and so, as much as I would love to give, like, oh, it was a hundred percent to connect with practice owners. Am I super grateful for that? But also it was like, Hey, this is really intriguing. Like right. if I've been, if we've been decently successful over here, like we should be able to like the, the proof from an entrepreneur's standpoint, the proof is in the pudding when you can start doing it again and again and again, right. you can hit a one hit wonder. Yes. And so also I enjoy the grittiness of like beginning and figuring it out. Like Dude, you're you're what like I, me. You, you're a builder. Like a, I'm I'm not a manager. I like to build something amazing, and then go. Okay, I've trained a team. You guys go ahead and manage that now. Don't bother me anymore. I'm gonna go do something I, else. I'm not a system scaler too. I'm an idea guy. I love relationships. I love people. I love saying how can we innovate our product and service, and how can we increase our revenue. My brain, and I wish it was better, is not functionally built to say okay, how do I provide the right scaffolding where we never fall over. Dude, like I, that's I why you. having a really good COO is everything. You know, you know, I, I joined forces with Glenvo and Joe Mayo in this consulting company. And that's the reason Joe is so important to this because I'm, I'm like you and I are like carbon copies of each other. When it comes to, I like to build something and then I'm like, yay. And then I'm like, I'm bored now. How do you do something else? What do I do? And what do I do with this thing? So Joe's that guy who scales all the systems and 
you know, he fixes the protocol, he fixes the prototype, and he's like, okay, we can make a thousand of these, you know, and I'm just like, I just want to start a new one. And you're kind of the same. Hey. You're, you're less goofy than I am, but you know. No, 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 no. You don't know. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, brother. I know you pretty well. Um. Yeah, I mean, and and that's why the yin and yang of everything is so important. That you need a systems person. Absolutely. You and I by ourselves just start forest fires that are uncontained. But they're very Going bright. Very, fire. very bright. <laughs> is is that what your partner does for you? The the other fifty cent owner. So Casey's actually over our product team. Connor, who came on like literally two weeks, is our COO. And he is our structure, our systems, our people management. And I wish I had his talent. I, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I'm very jealous of the way that Joe thinks. Um, his mind is just, it's amazing. It really is. And, you know, the funny thing is, is those people look at us and they're like, I don't see how you do what you do. And I'm like, Really? You feel you feel really humble, but that's the best team. When everyone looks at everyone else and they're like, "Hey, what you do is amazing." Uh, it's um, it's the best thing ever, you know. So no, I, I at the beginning of the year started looking into purchasing practices. The idea actually started at the end of last year or in September of last year, and then being an entrepreneur, or a, a scatterbrained mind, I stopped the idea for a second and then woke up probably at 2 a.m. one night and said, I need to finish that. Um, so I bought my first practice. I bought it for a couple hundred thousand dollars on a convertible note with a balloon okay. payment. Okay. Um, it is harder to get financing unless you're a established DSO if you have no clinical experience on your team. Right. So the Bank of America or Wells Fargo Practice Solutions would be very tentative and risk adverse, even though I come from a dental background, right. because I have no clinical experience, they see me as a liability because I can't go in there and pay the bills. It is interesting that you know how to make the company run better than probably most dentists do. I would say definitely better than most dentists do. And yet, hmm. We'll have to have a conversation off the air about that particular nuance. That's interesting. Yeah, I was I was unobtain, uh, unable to obtain traditional financing routes to the practice. That's why I actually stopped in September. Why didn't you just buy it in freaking cash, dude? Totally, you could. I mean, I, I think I was intrigued and not like throwing everything into it to, you know, test the ground. So <laughs> I I got back so, on. So you're in the like, this might actually not work. Let me use someone else's money kind of. Money. How do I not I completely that. burn my whole body in I the process? That. I get that. And so I went back online, I think in January or February and basically looked up like what practices are still available. And I saw that the practice where I had gotten pretty far with the owner in negotiations right. was still available. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a long shot, but I emailed my, you know, transition partner and said, Hey, would he be willing to take this amount of cash on the upfront and this in a 24 month balloon payment at these terms? And he came back and said, yes. Okay. So I, we're not going to talk about the name of the practice, anything like that. I want you to be very, very frank and very open about what it is you bought. I mean, was this a stinker? Um, I would guess most practices. So yeah, first of all, yes. Number two, most practices that you're going to buy that are a couple hundred thousand dollars, I would assume 
would be in the same category. You're just, you can't go buy a Ferrari for $5,000 unless it's a stinker. Like, unless, unless you get lucky like I did. And, and so, but what I saw in it was different. Like, yes, did it have serious issues? Was half of the practice paper charts? Was he overcompensating hygienists for activities that were not driving revenue? Was there no recall done? Was there any technology, any type of texting in the practice? The website to the practice, Chris, would break your computer if you went to. <laughs> I mean, it was so damn bad. It was from 1998. Okay, okay. So it, it probably caused the dot-com bubble to burst when, so they, when it got me. So bad website. So, but that's the thing is, okay, I think you think about opportunities the same way I do. I see this practice, I hear it, and I'm like, well, fuck, Corey, you own this company that does recall. I mean, that's a given. You can slot that in. Website, I know you're tech savvy enough. You could probably make a better website in your mom's basement than this guy had. So I mean, does your mom let you use her basement? I still sleep there. Sweet. Let's let's cut that out. That's yeah. how you that's how you that's how you keep the overhead low, right? So mm. you've got the skills to capitalize on most of the weak spots here, except maybe doctor production. So, and the so talk the to us intriguing, about So the intriguing part here is that I felt he was a good clinical doctor who wanted to produce more that didn't know how. Right. And he was willing to actually, and so far it's played out to be true, take his hands off the wheel and say, I want to be a part of something more successful. And that's what you need to sniff out before you go into these situations. If you go in and say, hey, doc, I'm going to come and make a big difference. And he's really abrasive to those changes. You're in for a long period. No, absolutely. You, you've got to be, man, you've got to be on the same page. You really do. You know, if you're not aligned Nothing good's gonna happen. Yeah. So you and to go, go ahead. To go to your point earlier, am I tech savvy? Yes. Do I, but more so, do I? I think I have decent. Just a little bit. <laughs> no, no, I'm actually not as tech savvy. You know it. You know my camera setup. I'm on a 2015 MacBook Pro right now. So let's not. I'm gonna pretend, help you with that, Corey. I'm gonna help you with that. Let's not pretend to be Steve Jobs. But I, I have a good business acumen for what is right and wrong. And so what's actually led to the biggest success is going out and saying, I know this vendor, this dental marketing vendor does a damn good job. And I know they're trustworthy and honest and I'm gonna get them in there and, and take my hands off and say, let's get results. I trust you enough to sit in the driver's seat here. Mm -hmm. Let's get in the right financial leader who's gonna give us audited statements, who's gonna help us grow the business through working capital. So it's been more about okay, I've done this for five years or four and a half years now. There's people that I see as really good leaders in the finance seat, in the marketing seat, in the clinical seat, in the consumer experience, or getting in the right text message software and the right analytics tool. And you're in a unique position because you get to hear from hundreds or thousands of dentists. And because of the fact that you are so personable, I'm sure you get a whole lot more information than a lot of vendors do. Totally. And so what's, I think, so, so far we've grown the practice in a month over month revenue standpoint of almost 40%. That's fantastic, Corey. Amazing. And do we have a long way to go? I mean, they never called their unscheduled treatment, Chris. Like 
if you didn't accept it, you weren't getting a call about it. Oh, <laughs> wow. There's like, so much it, to say there. There's it, just so much like to say there. You're walking into a closet with a ton of gold, and you're just like, all right, call them, call them, text message software. Oh, let's mass send out text messages to all unscheduled patients and say, we'd love to see you. What is a text message again? Forest. Yeah. You know, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, and I'm going to say here's something here that's going to probably offend some people, but a lot of us, as we just kind of truck on through things, we get tired. We get tired of having those same conversations. Our team gets tired. We get tired of making our team do what they need to do. I speak from experience. I've been there. Um, how many doctors out there do you think began with the right frame of mind or calling unscheduled treatment? They were they're following up on people who had, and, and a lot of people, honestly, they think of unscheduled treatment as hygiene. In fact, that was one of the horrifying moments for me is whenever I found out that open dental, when you run an unscheduled treatment list, it's really only hygiene patients that are overdue. I mean, that, that's so wrong-headed, it's not funny. But I think a lot of people get to that point, and they're like, oh, well, you know, the patient didn't do it. Because, I mean, dentists, and I'm, this is where I'm going to piss people off, by the way. Dentists, by their nature, or, um, gosh, there's, there's a lot of ways I can say this that won't hurt people's feelings, but I'm not going to use those. Dentists are cowards. Um, they're afraid to have those conversations because they want to be liked and maybe that's actually what it is it's not maybe so much cowardice as it is uh, fear of not being liked they just really want their patients to love them but the whole reason you want your patients to love them is so that you can do work on them but they miss that part am, am i smoking crack here i mean I know there's only so much you can say because you're in a position where you can't offend people. These these poor bastards are listening to my voice because they want to. Um, so I'm like, if I do offend them, eh. So I know I know, I know your your hands are tied there a little bit. What are your thoughts? No, on that? so to the 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 doctor I purchased my first practice from didn't follow up on treatment or didn't. I would say adequately diagnosed situations because he wanted to tell them everything was rosy and great and they liked him because of that. He actually has a very loyal patient base. He hasn't created systems and structure to retain them or remind them properly. I mean, the reality is the dentist is not the first of mind for 99.9% .9 of people. Right. And so even for me, I work in dental all day long and I go overdue for my appointments sometimes just because like, life right um so we've found that as we've created systems and structure and that we do it in the right manner the only reason we're calling you is we are concerned for your oral health Absolutely. and we want to get you back in like we're not here to offer you a discount or to do this or that but hey dr so-and-so is really concerned about what he saw last time and we'd actually love to get you back on the schedule we have tuesday and thursday open when works best for you man you you must be like camped out in in my office or something listen to what we tell people we mic'd it up sorry man it's okay it's all right it's all right 
when am I coming to visit your place again? <laughs> it's canceled now. <laughs> so anyway, has this has this new experience been something that's that's kind of changed your thoughts on the way that things go into practice? I mean, you're now you're in the driver's seat now. I mean, you're wearing the CEO hat for dental practices, and I'm sure uh, even if just from the lack of things that the previous practice owners have done, you're learning a lot about the industry that you didn't know. I mean, or you suspected, I would say, knowing you. Yes, no, so it's interesting. I think there was a lot of low hanging fruit and we're still working through that. Mm -hmm. What is intriguing to me is can we provide sustainable growth, not just scraping the bottom of the ocean for gold, but can we actually build systems and marketing plans and patient experiences where people say, wow, that was a really good experience. And we consistently grow year over year while producing healthy levels of profit. I'm, That's where I'm going to say, okay, we're really turning a corner. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now, um, I'm going to make a, a shame. We, you and I talked about this before and I actually kind of warned Corey, I was going to do this. I'm going to make a shameless plug. Um, guys, if you're in a similar situation, um, you should definitely think about the Doctor's Edge Consulting Company. Um, look at our dental launch pad. Um, Corey, I already talked to you about going through it because I think it's going to help you with some of the things you're doing. Um, and um, the best part is, <laughs> man, you're, you're going to be my best case study. I'm going to be like, hey, Corey Penninger, yeah, he owns some practices. He came through. Look what did for him. But, but in all seriousness, you should get training if you don't get training here get training somewhere else um you know find someone who's done it and to me that's a big thing is and i'm sure this is the same thing in your industry there's a lot of talking heads who say this that and the other but find dentists who've actually been successful who have done what it is you want to do if you want to work for the rest of your life you want to slave away in your practice until you're 65 75 years old you want to drop dead um, you know, while you're doing a class two over the patient, I'm not the guy to talk to. If you want to exit dentistry, or at the very least, um, pull the value that you've created out of your practice at a point in your life where you can still go and enjoy that, then I'm definitely the guy to talk to. But Corey, you know that already. You've you've been I'm, privy I'm you've so, been privy I'm to my to, practice for quite some time. Yeah, I'm just waiting for my agreement to come through. I'll tell you what, we'll talk about that a little bit afterwards on uh, off of camera. Um, I'm actually, uh, I'm very excited to to work with you on that and, and see what we can do. And, uh, well, you know, we'll see. But for now, as we're ending this, um, I want you to tell people what you do, everything that you do. And, and folks, um, Corey and I are great friends. Some of his companies do things that my companies do. Um, he's going to tell you all about them because um, there are a lot of customers out there. Not everybody's the right fit for everybody else. So that's just kind of the way that he and I do business. Corey, tell them what your companies do. Yeah. I mean, the summary of what we're in is what we coin as smart, smart patient scheduling or smart scheduling. We want to get the right patients in the right seat at the right time. And so within a dental practice and with any small or large company, there's missed opportunity. Just to kind of dive into some high level of that, 32% of all phone calls to dental practices go unanswered. And that is not after hours and before hours. The meat of that is during the day. 
56% of all recall patients are 18 months or more overdue. If you do a million dollars a year, you actually have $1.4 million of unscheduled treatment that just goes to the wayside. Now, those are some data points to show that there's a lot of money sitting on the table for us to capitalize on. Absolutely. So instead of being the next tech thing, we realized that as texting and emailing, which are amazing and the top priority, I'm not trying to diminish those, as those became really prevalent, calling and the manual efforts that went into patient relationships have actually gone by the wayside. We need someone to still answer the phones. We need someone to verify insurances. So what we've done is we've created a team that are specialized in unscheduled treatment, recall, and they're here to schedule into your practice management software in your behalf. And you only pay us when we get things done. So diving into our services. That is my favorite part of what you guys do because it's, it's so genuine, you know, I mean, it's a hell of a risk. It speaks a lot of your confidence in your product. And, and the reality is anyone can do it. It's just, it's gruesome. It's not fun. There's systems, there's structure, there's additional employment needed around it. And in a practice with many moving parts where the clinician is generally the CEO saying, hey, we have an expert here who can handle it and get it done for us, sometimes can work better. So number one, we do unscheduled or outbound recall calls from 5 to 7.30 at night. Number two, from the same time period, we call your unscheduled treatment with ex-treatment coordinators from dental practices. So we're not taking someone who just graduated college and has not worked in dental to speak the lingo. We're actually taking people who have worked in offices for over 10 years, bringing them in and having them call in those evening hours to schedule on your behalf. Next, we do a managed chat. We integrate with your Facebook. We integrate with your Google My Business. We integrate with your um, website. So if someone goes into chat or schedule an appointment, it creates a text message right away where we text them back and forth. Instead of your staff having to do that, we manage it, schedule it directly. And if someone has a financing question we can't answer, we task it over to your team where they can handle it. Okay. Number so four. Okay. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to ask you, oh, no, you afterwards. I was going to say, so you know my practice, and I already know the answer to this, but I know this is a question I asked you whenever we started talking about you guys using, uh, us using you guys. And that was, okay, so I schedule by production. Um, can you guys do that? Do you know how to do that? And the answer is yes. So you guys can actually schedule in a lot of different ways. The doctor just has to tell you what the protocols are, right? We, we are working in behalf as an extension of the practice. So we are not here to say, hey, we're gonna slap Judy on the schedule for an hour and call it good. If you schedule hygiene in op one, and limited exams and op two, or you stagger schedule, or you block schedule, or insurances are in and out of network, we work in your behalf. We create a profile before we ever start, knowing most details of your practice. We train your team members on that, and then we hit the green light. Okay, so let's say um, I have a patient who calls, and they're like, yeah, I talked to Brady, um, and he sent me to Yolanda, and Yolanda sent me to Nianwen, so you guys actually have people who are assigned to each practice that know that practice backward and forward. How many people do your, um, your agents actually cover? How, how many practices do each of them cover? 
It depends because some practices receive a enormous amount of phone calls. I mean, there's certain practices for a solo practice. Now, this one has 24 operatories where it takes eight people to answer the phones. And then there's some where you could probably have five, you know, five people or one person man manage five offices. Now, you can't do it that way because there's something called an abandonment rate and i'm not going to get too nerdy here i promise myself that but you usually will create a pod of people that being about five to six where they manage a cohort of offices what you don't want is to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship because let's say i get an office for winning smiles and then i get another call guess what that's going to voicemail creating the exact same problem dental practices basically you guys have an informed hunt group so, exactly. man, it's always so much fun talking to you. You had one more point you wanted to make. I interrupted you. You said and oh. fourth. And fourth. We, 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 do, we do overflow call answering, and then last we do insurance verification. Absolutely. And, and the, crazy, the crazy thing about the world we operate, and that's where Chris have a and I have a little overlap, there is 177,000 active dental practices in the United States. Yeah. We also service Canada, so there's a slight more margin there. There is so much room in the ocean for the amount of work that is needed that we, and I seriously mean this, love additional operation in our space, especially when it's done at a high quality like Chris's group is doing it, because we can't handle that. We are a human capital company with hundreds of employees and maybe a percent of the market share. A little over a percent of the market share. I mean, it is crazy. But it's an additional so, thing that you can do when you're already answering the phones. And uh, I, you know, I, I feel the same way. It, it's so funny because dentists are, dentists are worried about competition and they expect everyone to be. Uh, they, they think the dentist across the street is their competition. They're not. Best Buy and Walt Disney are their competition. Um, you know, cruise ships are their competition. It's... It's different than they think. But anyway, so guys, Corey, I'm going to give you the last word here. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have? No. I mean, we love, I love the community. I'm in it. I'm really in it now in the last couple months. And I, I think there's a lot as a community that we can do to innovate patient services, to innovate healthcare. And there's a lot of opportunity on every side to be better. So as everyone innovates in their micro ways, the industry moves forwards and leaps and bounds. And I'm excited to be a part of that at a small level. Absolutely, my friend, as am I. Well, guys, you've wasted another hour of your time listening to the sound of my voice and the melodious tones of Corey Pinnakers. Thank you so much for supporting the Deer Dot Podcast. And if you take a look at your schedule and think, man, why is my schedule not more full? Or you take a look at your phone and you see 150 missed calls. Why don't you guys go ahead and reach out to call force. Ask for Corey Pentagor in person. <laughs> poor, 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 poor Corey, sorry about that. And, 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 and say, hey, look, how can you help my office? Now, Corey, here's where I put you on the spot. TBOD members, I'm going to ask you to dig deep. What can you do for him? Let's say yeah. I send a bunch of people over to you. Um, and, and full disclosure, Corey, am I making any money off of helping you here? Okay. No. 
So what can you do for him, my friend? Yeah, so uh, we, we have an existing deal. So we're going to waive all of our setup fees, first of all. Don't let, and side note, don't pay setup fees. Don't pay them. That's just them taking your money. We're not going to charge you a setup fee. We also are going to reduce our pricing uh, about 25% on all of our services across the board. And we'll actually Fantastic. waive our monthly service fee in addition to that. Excellent. Um, so average savings for a practice would be about what? Over 30% compared to our traditional pricing. Dollars, Corey. Give me dollars. Dollars? That's what they sign up for. You're asking questions that are hard to answer. Um, I know. I, I, an average client, it would it would save a couple hundred dollars a month. For All right. Fantastic. All right, folks. You heard it here. Call Corey up wheel and deal with him, bend his elbows, things like that. Don't poke him in the eyes. That is not fair fighting. You guys have a fantastic evening. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.